0: Life Audio God's Will So Simple It's Hard by Sean McAvoy. First Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for my life. How often have you pondered that notion, studied it, read untold books about it, know people who torture themselves trying to locate it? Well, here we have an obvious chunk of it, even compact and useful, just as we like things to be. Tucked away at the close of Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica. This is God's will for you, it says. Well, yes, it says that. And it sure is pretty, almost poetic. But is it deep enough? Shouldn't there be more? Is it practical? Okay, then let's go Old Testament. Prophetic, action-oriented. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? It's still simple, still bunched in a group of three, still indicating that there's no big mystery way far out there which must be solved before we know how to act or decide or how God wants us to act or decide. So why do we seek for more? I think it's because the ridiculously simple, paradoxically enough, is ridiculously hard and we know it. G.K. Chesterton famously said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. We could spend a lot of time discussing the ins and outs of how easy or hard God's will is, and where else in his word we can find snippets of it. One woman from my Bible fellowship class is fond of asking during our lessons, what does that look like? Well, let's ponder on that here for a minute. The situation is this. You've been sent on a missionary journey via a clear calling from God. The resources were there, the people willing. You are leading your group through a city when you encounter a psychic who keeps taunting you. After a while, through calling on the name of Jesus, you cast out the evil spirit within her. Hooray! Score one for the Lord and your group. But alas, there is no praise here because those who had been making some cash off the now set free woman's powers aren't happy with you. They drag your group before local law enforcement, have you beaten and thrown into prison. Hey now. At this point, I am saying, God, this is not your will. You made it very clear we were to come on this trip, and we even did a miracle for you. Now we're injured, in jail. I don't even know how I'm going to get home, much less continue to be effective for you from here. I want a telephone, I want a lawyer, and I want you to reveal your actual will right now and suffer no more discomfort while doing what you sent us to do. And with that, my missionary journey would come to a close. But not the apostle Paul's, not as we have it recorded in Acts sixteen, sixteen through forty, which is one of my all time favorite passages. Paul, who knew God's will better than I, and practiced it, knew to rejoice always, and so, bloodied and with his feet in stocks, he sings. Seriously. He sings hymns of praise. He also knew to pray without ceasing, and so, in verse 25, that's exactly what you find, Paul and Silas praying, at midnight even. The missionaries on this journey got out of God's way by doing the simple things that God had willed for them to do, so that God was free to let fly with his own big, complex, miraculous will for everyone else. An earthquake shakes open the prison, snapping chains in the process, Prisoners, however, stay where they are. A jailer, about to kill himself, holds his sword, and moments later, accepts Jesus into his heart. Then his family joins the flock. All because those he had persecuted chose to love kindness. At every step of the journey, Paul, Silas, and their companions chose to walk humbly, give thanks, and do what was just. Speaking of which, once officially released... Paul did have some words of justice regarding their citizenship and treatment for the magistrates. It's absolutely amazing to me the ways that God plans to accomplish his will, big W, on earth. His will in my life has already been decided. It is my job to walk humbly, get out of the way, always be in prayer, always rejoicing no matter what situation I'm in. But how often do we come back to the same situation, Sitting in my car, simple traffic jam, me needing to be somewhere, telling God, did you not ordain that I should do such and such today or get this amount of work done so I can spend this amount of time with my family? Then this is on you unless you make such and such happen now. How many miracles have I missed? No, God's will for my life isn't difficult to know. It's just frustratingly hard to do if self is at the center. And that's the crux of their very question itself, what is God's will for my life? Perhaps when we get out of the way, we shall see better. Intersecting Faith and Life How long will it take to learn the lesson that even if I know I am doing God's will, it doesn't mean everything will appear to go smoothly along the way? that there are purposes I either don't know or am unwilling to consider could be part of inconvenience? If you're like me, start learning today by making note of every story in the Bible that suffers a delay, interruption, inconvenience, or other problem before God's promised payoff. Hint, start with guys like Joseph and Abraham. And for further reading, check out Acts 16 and Micah 6.8. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us for the Crosswalk.com devotional podcast. To get all of our episodes straight to your phone during the week, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find more devotional content like this, head over to Crosswalk.com.